Okay, uh, page 130. Uh, God's will and my circumstances, session 5, is where we're at. Uh, we've covered many sessions and I'm sure they've been helpful to us. Um, but we begin again today with the first question. Uh, when has an, ex an unexpected change of plans worked in your favor? When has an unexpected change of plans worked in your favor? You didn't expect it. It happened, but boy, it was a blessing. Anybody could remember a situation like that? Nothing comes in line, huh? All right, it'll come. Okay. Let's look at Bible Meets Life, page 131. Want to read that, please? When I was a college student, I took time one day to read Isaiah 53. I was inspired by Christ's willingness to be a suffering servant. In response, I prayed, Lord, if there is a task no one else is willing to take, you can give it to me. As I surrendered my life to God's service, the phone rang. I thought, I hope that's not for me. <laughs> I was having such a special time with God, I didn't want it to end. Sure enough, it was for me. It was someone in our college group with significant social issues. He was lonely and would call single adults in our church every evening. Tell him I can't come to the phone, I told my roommate. Then I resumed my prayer. God, if you have any difficult tasks that others are willing to undertake, you can give it to me. <laughs> it was two weeks later before I realized God had answered my prayer, even before I had said, Amen. <laughs> I just hadn't made the connection. Circumstances are not always just circumstances. We must learn to see God at work. Okay. I would say not to call him anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Expect that call, Albert. <laughs> we, we, we need discernment to know when circumstances are more than mere circumstances. Mm -hmm. Only God's spirit of discernment can give us that. Right? So we need to be alert to the spirit's promptings uh, in our lives. Uh, we've all had those random encounters that we look back on and realize how life-changing they were. Did we just... Did we just happen to be in the right place at the right time? Or was it God's way of helping us follow his plan? In the book of Romans, Paul gave us insight into how we should view our circumstances in light of knowing and following God's will. What is the point? God works on your behalf, even in seemingly random circumstances. Oh, we need to remember that. We don't always remember that. Thing. Something goes wrong and we, we wonder, oh Lord, why me? We don't think about God working randomly in our circumstances. Um, Lord, help us to uh, see your work and your hand in our circumstances and help us to act in obedience uh, when you speak to us. Guide us through this lesson, we pray, and make us aware of what you would have us to understand and fully comprehend. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, we have a couple of passages to look at, but first let me give the setting. Uh, Romans 8, 26-32 focuses on the ministry of the Holy Spirit and on the security and permanence 
of the life of the redeemed. Paul described how the Holy Spirit assists believers in their weaknesses, especially in regards to a lack of understanding regarding prayer. Next, the apostle discussed God's provision for his people. He explained this by looking back into the past at God's eternal purpose in regards to salvation and then to the present at how God keeps and sustains our believers. So it's all God, all the time. We acknowledge God's sovereignty and his mighty power as he works in our lives. Let's look at the first passage we have. Romans 8, 26-27. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Because we do not know what to pray for, as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken warnings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Keyword and spoken refers to the Holy Spirit's translation of our thoughts and prayers. God understands the Spirit completely because He knows exactly what the Spirit thinks. Okay. Life routinely presents us with confusing circumstances. The doctor finds something unusual in a routine life. We are offered a promotion, but it requires more trouble. Three, we are asked to serve as a leader in our church, but our schedule is already too full. Four, we have the opportunity to purchase a new house at a good price, but we are hesitant to make such a big commitment when we are uncertain about our current job. Five, we obey what we, what we sense God wants us to do, but we are beset with criticism and opposition. We can feel overwhelmed by our circumstances because we do not know how things will turn out in the future. If we know how the future would unfold, we could make decisions with confidence. I would have to learn 
purpose on God's heart in my life. But what do we do if we don't know what God wants? In this passage, the Apostle Paul explained, we do not know what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit does. We are not alone. When we pray and see God, His Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. We have no one better to pray with us than the one who perfectly knows the mind and will of God. The Holy Spirit knows the heart and mind of God. He understands how we intend, how God intends to work in our lives. He knows how God even use our circumstances for our good for God's glory. The Holy Spirit is never caught by surprise or bewildered by our circumstances like we often are. He will guide us as we pray for God's will. Okay, He will guide us as He prays God's will. Sometimes we think that um, God is surprised by circumstances in our lives, don't we? Uh, just as we are, but we're not. But he's not. Uh, he's never surprised because remember, God is omniscient. He knows everything. He sees everything. And so that should give us even more reason to trust him, shouldn't it? Yes. Because he, so he sees the big picture. He sees the whole picture. Um, uh, we notice that um, in verse 26, in the same way the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. And we see that definition of unspoken groanings there, right? We can count on the Holy Spirit to help us in our weakness. We can absolutely count on him. Like you can count on a best friend, we can count on him. He's always there, he'll never let us down. And then we don't know what to pray for. The Spirit intercedes with us, with the Father for us, in unspoken groanings. Uh, we don't understand what those groanings are, but God the Father knows. God wants, uh, knows what's going on with us at all times. And he knows what our deepest thoughts are. He knows what our deepest needs and desires are, desires are at all times. So we can trust on him. We can depend upon him to come through. So the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God according to God's will. Notice, uh, Paul went on to explain the nature of the Spirit's unspoken groanings in verse 27. How can such a prayer be understood? In this case, no words are necessary because God the Father understands completely what the Holy Spirit thinks, even though it is inexpressible in human terms. God knows. And we can take that phrase literally. God knows. Sometimes people say that, but they don't think about the implications of what it means. God knows. Uh, and you can take that literally in this context. And so, uh, God the Father understands completely what the Holy Spirit thinks, even though it is inexpressible in human terms. God who searches our hearts, we don't think about God searching our hearts, do we? He does. God who searches our hearts has complete access to understanding, to the understanding of the human heart. He should, because he made it, right? right. If you make something, you should be the one to, to, to be able to understand it, right? Yes, and that's why whenever there's a plane crash, 
Who's the first person they call? Manufacturer. The manufacturer. All right, because they know every detail about that aircraft. Okay, they call the manufacturer. Uh, when my son, uh, when Bahamas was getting those new planes, the, the, the Dash 8s and the, the new jets and stuff, my son was sent to the manufacturer for training on how to repair. Because he's an aircraft mechanic, he had, he had to go to, to learn the new the, the things of that, that aircraft and know how to repair it. So one time I went to his house and I saw one of those big bags. You know what those pilots carry? Mm-hmm. Where they roll? And I said, well, I didn't know you had one of those. He said, yeah, we got to have those too because the same big manuals that the pilots have, we have too. Wow. You know, I said, boy, I didn't know that. You know, and, um, and so he's now working in avionics. That's all the dashboard stuff and stuff that they deal with in the aircraft. And I remember when Kinson was the captain, Kinson said to me, Randy, boy, Randy, I'm so glad when we called for help, Brian shows up rather than some other joker. You know, because some of the guys don't take their job seriously. But God knows, God says, God searches our hearts, has complete access to the understanding of the human heart. Just because we may not be able to articulate our concerns doesn't mean God doesn't know what they are. He is not dependent on us to adequately express what we are thinking, feeling, and experiencing. Since God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one, theologians describe this as the oneness of the Trinity, one God in three distinct persons. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are distinct persons, but having the same divine nature. God the Father intimately understands the intercession of the, of the Spirit on behalf, on our behalf. Furthermore, since the Father, Son, and Spirit are one, of one mind and will, the Spirit always intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And that's something we need to remember. He always intercedes on the, in accordance with the will of God. We should marvel at the love of God, at the love God has for us. We have Jesus interceding for us in heaven. According to Hebrews 7.25, we have a man in heaven who intercedes on our behalf, stands at the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf, like an, like a, like an attorney, like Michelle, who intercedes on behalf of a client. We got somebody like that in heaven, interceding for us. Remember Job's situation? God was God had had God, God had someone defending Job uh, when the devil came with his accusations. God was able to defend Job. Have you ever seen anybody as righteous as Job? He's bragging about Job. Okay, that's what the defense does. And so we have Jesus interceding, and we have the indwelling Holy Spirit interceding for us within us. Okay, so you can't beat that. You've got God, the Holy God. The, <coughs> The Lord Jesus Christ in heaven interceding on our behalf, and we get the Holy Spirit within us interceding on our behalf. You can't get it any better than that. Okay? No better arrangement can you make than that. Okay, um, question number two. What do you do when you don't know what to pray? God help. Hmm? God help us. God help us. <laughs> Just hmm? say the name Jesus, call on Jesus. Yeah, I heard a, I heard a song like that one time uh, where the lady was, uh, she's been criticized for, for um, being, in a, being in a state of need. And uh, they knew she was a Christian, 
And she know she, they knew that she had a, a strong faith in the Lord, and she was going through some difficult times. And the person asked her, "Well, Mama, what are you doing in a situation like that?" And she started to call Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And you know her needs were met. Katrina. Hmm? After Katrina. Yeah, you heard that about you heard about yeah I heard. About it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a song, isn't it? It's a song. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, well, that uh, Jesus, Jesus. and we've heard many um, incidences of persons who simply found themselves in situation and they just called on the name of Jesus. I mean, they didn't know what to pray. They just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Brother Randy, I've been in those circumstances where cold sweat drop off you. Mm-hmm. The best thing you can do is stay still. Mm-hmm. Make a move. Mm-hmm. And Be still and know that I am God. Right. And you know what? So it shows I'm looking at you with two eyes. Equal eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It shows you the way. Mm-hmm. Well, you see, like the Baptist, help me, Holy Ghost. Baptist know how to do it, eh? <laughs> Okay. Um, next, we will we will discover biblical truths which are important for us to know as we look at Romans eight twenty eight to thirty. Biblical truths we are supposed to we that's important for us to know. Uh, who want to take that one? That's the second one. Romans eight twenty eight to thirty, page one thirty three. Um, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. The key word is foreknew in verse 29. It refers to God's omniscience. In the context of Romans 8, it relates to God's choice of the believer to demonstrate his love toward us in an intimate relationship. And predestined is the key word in verse uh, 29 as well. This word means to mark out or draw up a boundary beforehand. It refers to God's plan to conform us into the image of Christ. Christians often become confused by life's circumstances. This occurs because we expect the wrong things from life and from God. If we assume that God's goal is to make us happy, we will be confused when we encounter unpleasant experiences. If we assume God wants us to be prosperous and healthy, we will be bewildered when we lose our job or contract a disease. However, if we understand God's priorities for our life, then his actions will make us per- will make perfect sense to us. Paul did not say all circumstances are good. He declared that God works all circumstances together so that good results from them. When you love God and are walking in step with him, he can bring good out of every circumstance in your life. But what is the good that God produces? 
It's seen in the next verse. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. The greatest good God can do for you is to make you like Jesus. You might lose your job and yet learn to pray like Jesus as a result. You might suffer the pain of a prodigal child, yet as a result, develop such a love for parents of prodigals that you launch a ministry to help them in your church. You might contract an illness that restricts your activity, yet it makes you more humble and patient as a result. Your outward circumstances might appear to be worse, but your character grows in Christ-likeness. One way your circumstances are tied to God's will is for you to be more like Christ, and he will use your circumstances to make you more like him. Of course, this does not mean that you shouldn't pray for God to resolve those circumstances. Pray for a new job, pray for healing, but as you pray, let God use those circumstances to make you act and think more like Christ. Next page. Oh. Next page. Um, I once worked with a businessman who had been cheated by a partner and was left carrying a huge debt. He questioned why God would let him suffer that way when he had done nothing wrong. I asked how his wife had responded to his adversity. She's been a rock, he declared. She stood by him, encouraged him continuously, and prayed for him daily. What about your children? I asked. One daughter had been a constant support, helping them any way they needed. A second daughter was serving faithfully on the mission field. All of their grandchildren were walking with the Lord. I asked, don't you realize many wealthy people would give anything to have what you have? Suddenly, the man realized that in all the areas that mattered in life, God had blessed him richly. Not only had God given the man the grace to forgive his business partner and trust God through the worst crisis of his life, his entire family was inspired by his example and had chosen to follow Christ. God had indeed brought enormous good out of a circumstance that appeared to be evil. Difficult circumstances may catch us by surprise, but they never find God unprepared. God can take the most horrendous situation and bring good out of it. The key is always to make us more like Christ. The reality is we tend to grow more when the road is hard than when it is easy. So we ought not to be surprised when God makes use of those hard roads in our lives. <laughs> what we are surprised, aren't we? Yeah. Romans 8, 30, 28 to 30 is part of one of the most familiar and comforting passages in the book of Romans and perhaps in all of Paul's letters. Uh, during the most difficult trials and tribulations of life, Romans 8, 28, 39 assures the believer of the depth, not only the depth, but the steadfastness of God's love for his children. God's love is so deep that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And we see that in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. He will never, ever leave us or forsake us. But notice what Paul says in, in this verse. Paul did not say all circumstances are good. 
He didn't say that. He declared that God works in all things together so that the good results from them. When we love God, we are walking in step with him. We can bring good. He can bring good out of every circumstance in our life. So we see how important it is to walk with God, right? Notice the truths of verse 28 that stand out. He was not saying that everything will turn out okay in this life. It won't. It never does. Paul was not calling uh, such circumstances good in and of themselves. And then thirdly, Paul was saying that God works through the circumstances in the believer's life. So whenever we go through stuff, remember God is working through them. Well, we could, like we normally say, oh, God's working on it. Okay, someone have a problem and they ask you to... to remember, I had, a, I had a leak recently in my house. I didn't know where that water was coming from. Um, and I didn't notice it until my nightstand uh, on the side of my bed had, had swollen up because it was wet. And then they... Where's this water coming from? And we just couldn't figure out where the water was coming. So I called Kevin, and Kevin came and uh, looked at it. And he says, uh, you know, he looked in our bathroom, and he looked in the other bathroom in his bathroom. Couldn't figure out. And uh, obviously, there was a leak in the wall. But he couldn't figure it out. He couldn't, he couldn't figure it out. And then this water kept coming and kept coming. And so one day he called me. He says, you know, I'm going to send my plumber uh, to take care of this, and I'll pay for it. Don't worry about it, because I can't get back to you. Wow, how God works. Plumber came, uh, um, called me, and he made arrangements to come. And, um, and so he said he'd come 10 o'clock that day, and he showed up 10 minutes to 10. And uh, they started working. Uh, they decided to work in the other bathroom rather than the, the master bathroom because it was more easier for them to get access. When I heard those guys cutting and chopping that wall, I was thinking this with my house. My inside walls are not sheetrock. They're concrete. So that made it more difficult. You know, with a sheetrock, you can just pull off the sheetrock. Yes. But all the walls in my house are concrete block walls. And so my wife had this nightmare of those coming and having to chop up all the floors and chop up all the walls, trying to find out where this water was coming from. Right? And so about 11 o'clock, they came about 10 minutes to 10. 11 o'clock, the guy came to me and says, come, I want to show you something. We went in the bathroom and he put his little searchlight in there. And there was a the hot water line inside the wall had like a, a, a pinhole and the water was spewing and going down into the on, and into the wall on the floor and seeping under the walls and going into the bedroom and the bathroom and the corridor. It was a nightmare, you know, because I'm trying to figure out, you know, where this water's coming from. One pipe, the hot water line, you know, and uh, it's amazing how God works all things for good. And uh, when the plumber when he says, uh, I said, well, what about, you know, my water bill? I'm going to say, well, what my water bill is going to be? No problem. I'll give you a letter for water and sewage. And I know water and sewage, if you have a leak, they will, they will deal with your bill based on what the leak is. All right? So, saying that to say, God works through the circumstances of the believer's life. Never saw that bill. Kevin said, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. You know, I said, okay, thank you, brother. I am not going to take away your blessings. <laughs> God bless you. Okay, the message is, is to those who love God and respond to his offer of grace by believing in him. Okay, quickly, we get one more verse. Um, 
and we get a couple more minutes to go. Um, let me see. We had given out a handout recently um, called Understanding God's Will. Some of you may still have this. Give us up. Some of you may still have this. Because um, we gave it out recently. If you don't, make sure you get a copy of it. It says, Chosen, one who is the object of divine favor. Okay. And it says, Predestined to decree, determine, appoint, or settle beforehand. And I want you to notice now that believer is recipient of all of this. Okay? We are recipient, we are the beneficiaries of all of this. This is adopted, legally made the son or daughter of someone other than the biological parent, and it's a privilege to be adopted, and then for new, to know beforehand, especially by revelation, conform, to give the same shape, outline, or contour to bring into harmony or accord with Christ, and then call to someone to a particular activity, position, or office, and then justify to judge regard or declare as righteous and worthy of salvation and then glorify, that's coming. Glorify, to make glorious by bestowing honor to elevate to celestial glory. And that's one we're gonna, we anticipate. One day we can all be glorified. And uh, what a blessing that will be. Uh, now, let me see now. Okay. Um, Believers are predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus or to become Christ-like. Um, God wants us to be, it's like a person who adopts a child into their family and they want the child who, who is in the family to become like the one who is adopted to feel privileged. Okay, the child who's born in the family don't really often feel that privilege when they know that there's one who's who's in the family because of, of, of choice of the parents, not because they didn't have a choice. Okay, question number three. Uh, what does it mean to be conformed to the image of his son? Of course, we know it means to become more like him, right? Okay. Um, let's look at the last, for the sake of time, let's look at the last verses we have. Romans eight thirty-one to 32. Last one, who want to take that one? I won't eat too long. What then will you say about this in Romans 8, 31, 32? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will we not also with him grant us everything? One of the most sublime thoughts in the English language is this. God is for us. The one truth will take us an eternity to meditate on one. Almighty God, our Creator, the Lord of the universe, and the judge of all humanities is for us. That should encourage us and give us boldness as we face life's challenges. I once met a lovely Christian couple who spent years in a loveless marriage. They tried to make it work, but they finally lost all hope, divorced, and went their separate ways. They even found different churches to attend. One fall, both of the churches launched an experiencing God plan, and the couple registered to take 
in, in their respective churches. Soon after the classes began, both the husband and wife felt terribly convicted by how selfish and unloving they had been in the marriage. They both learned that God had been prepared to walk with them through the difficulties of their marriage, but they had never invited him to do so. They arranged to meet for lunch and apologized to the other. They eventually remarried. Only this time, they were determined to let Christ have the center role in their relationship. Now they understood Christ was for them and they knew nothing would tear their relationship asunder. When I met them, they had remarried for four years and were clearly the most joyful looking couple in the entire auditorium. What a difference it makes to know that, no matter, to know that, no matter what God is for us. The pages of scripture overflow with the truth that God loves us. Yet when we face difficult circumstances, we often act as if God does not care about us. Yet the Apostle Paul declares that God had demonstrated once and for all at the cross that there was nothing he would not do for us so we could walk with him and experience abundant life. When humanity was hopeless, when humanity was hopelessly enslaved to sin, God did not spare his own son, but, but freely gave him so we might have life. We should never worry that God does not love us. How would we how could we question how could we question the love of one who paid the greatest price to redeem us from sin? When it comes to the role of our circumstances, the role our circumstances play in God's will. Keep in mind that everything God does in our lives is for our benefit and is driven by His love. So when God allows difficult circumstances in our lives, we must view them through the hallowed lenses of Calvary. God, God proved once and for all that He loved us, loves us when He gave His only Son to die on the cross for us. Okay, what a story, eh? Wow. The phrase, if God is for us, can be translated, since God is for us. All that God has done for us proves that God is for us. Just think about that. When you look at all that God has done for us, what more proof can we have that God is for us? Um, okay, our time is gone here, so let's, let's, uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, Question number four and five we missed, right? Yes. Okay, when have you seen God bring something good from a negative circumstance? Anybody? Quick one. Me. Uh-huh. You've seen God bring something good from a negative circumstance. Okay. Um, question number five. When have you clearly seen that God is for you? <coughs> Well, I can think of a number of situations that time would not permit us to share, and I'm thinking we, sure we can think of some as well. But the point is, we, we, we see that, right? We, are, we have seen clearly how God is for us in various situations and circumstances of our lives. In sickness. In sickness, okay. In sorrow, in pain, in suffering. We see God is clearly for us. All right, let's look at how we can flesh this out. Live it out, page 139. God works in your life, even through those seemingly random moments and circumstances. How will you live out that truth this week? Three, 
activities. Thank. If you're going through a difficult situation, thank God for walking you, walking with you. Thank Him for His unfailing love. Ask God to show you what He wants you to do in your life through through these circumstances. That's thank. And then review. Make a list of key events or moments in your life. Review the circumstances that led to those events and see how God was at work. Consider how God was how God used those moments to bring you closer to Him. Good exercise. And then share. Share with your group a situation in your life that is confusing. Ask for feedback on how God might be using that circumstance to accomplish His purposes. Okay, so there's three exercises we can do there, one or all three of them, uh, and I'm sure there'll be a blessing once we do them. So we need to be mindful as we wrap up uh, of the underlying theme of this session. God loves us and is for us. He works on our behalf in the circumstances of our lives, no matter what those circumstances are. And so we need to keep this in mind as we reflect on the truths of the study that we've gone through today. Let's pray. Um, excuse me, before you pray, one of my friends, her husband got killed in a motorcycle accident last night. So if you could pray for her. They live, is that? She's a Bahamian. This is where it sounds as least, but she, she's lived in the U.S. for like about 30 years. Oh. And her husband got killed in a, in a motorcycle accident. Yes. What's his name? His name is Rodman, Rodman Hart. And um, they live in Georgia, but he was working in Los Angeles, uh-huh. and he just got killed in a motorcycle accident. Wow. Okay, really terrible, because it's so unexpected, you know, mm-hmm. just before our birthday, Christmas and everything. And, wow, wow. So wow. it's really wow. unexpected. Yeah. Well, what's his name? Uh, Rodman. And her name's? This is Melanie Sands. This is um, Wayne Sands' niece. Okay. Yes. Father, we pray for the family that has uh, gone through this tragic loss. Uh, one cannot comprehend what they're experiencing right now uh, in a loss that is so sudden and so tragic. We commit the family to you, Lord, and we pray, Lord, that you would give them comfort, uh, that you would give them peace, uh, that they may see your hand, especially the believers in the family, may see uh, your working in the circumstances as tragic as it is. And may you be glorified in their response and how they will impact the lives of those around them in a positive way that will perhaps draw others to a relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, for our time in your word today. And we thank you, Father, for the blessings that will result as a result of what you have spoken to us collectively as well as individually. Get glory for yourself, we pray, as we move forward from this room, but not from your presence. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.